All of us want to be the best version of ourselves, but often things get in the way. We can get in our own way. Knowing what our best looks like is one of the biggest struggles of being the best of you. So last week we started a series called The Best of You. And as we start the new year, you know, some of us make New Year's resolutions and goals. Um, some of you have already completed one because you're an overachiever and you want gold stars in life. Uh, and that just means you picked a really easy one if you've already achieved it. Um, and some of you have already given up on them. Some of you have already just kind of thrown in the towel on it. Uh, but the thing is about being the best of you, being the best version of yourself, uh, decisions play a huge role in that. They play an enormous role in that. They, they play a, a big role in either helping us get to that place or hindering us. And, and all of us here today, uh, whether you're here in the room or online, you have a whole list of decisions that you're trying to make right now. And, and they could be big. They could be really big decisions. You know, is this the time to buy a house? Is this the time to get married? Is this the time to have kids? Is this the time to stop having kids? Is this the college that I should go to? You're trying to figure out if you're a high school student, what do I do with the rest of my life? You know, you're trying to figure out your major. Maybe you're trying to decide, do I quit this job? Do I take this other job? Maybe for you, it's a health question. You know, do I get this surgery? Do I do this treatment? And they're really big decisions. But then some are kind of smaller decisions, everyday decisions. You know, scientists believe that we make 35,000 decisions a day. I don't know how they came up with that number. It's just an extraordinary number. It sounds amazing to me. You know, 35,000 decisions. But they start with, you get up in the morning and the decision on how you get ready and what order you get ready in. And if you're anything like me, I get ready in the exact same order every single day. It doesn't matter what it is. And I cannot do it any differently. That's a decision. And most of those decisions we make kind of absentmindedly. We just make them subconsciously. Right, the decision to just sit there and just scroll on your phone. You're sitting there with a friend or a spouse, and you're like, "Do we watch? What do we watch on Netflix?" And you're just scrolling through Netflix, and you're like, "You know what? Like, let's just watch The Office again." And then you live with disappointment because it's not on Netflix anymore. But like, all these decisions then begin to add up, and over time, the big and the small decisions help you or hinder you from being the best of you. But here's the thing about decisions. Have you ever noticed that there are some people who can just make decisions really well? Like they just know. Like you maybe have this friend who you go to get advice and they just know what to do. Like instinctively, they just seem to know what to do. They, they make decisions for their own life and, and they're really calm about it. They don't worry about it. They just make it and move on. And you think, man, how do they make it and move on? Where you just lay in bed and you wonder, did I make the right decision? And you beat yourself up and you worry about it. They just have this calm about themselves. But what do they know that you don't know? See, and as I said, making decisions helps or hinders you from becoming the best of you. And last week, as we started the book of James, the whole theme of the book of James is centered around verse four, where James says the goal of life, the goal that God has for our lives is to be complete, mature, and lacking nothing. To be complete, mature, and lacking nothing. And if you think about it, this is why you have made every decision in your life, to be complete. Well, you've made some decisions to be complete. You probably at some point dated somebody and thought, do they complete me? The answer to that, yes or no, determines whether or not you had a second date and a third date, and then whether or not you married that person. Buying a house, will this complete us? Will this be the last house we buy? 
Will this, this be the last place that I live? We make decisions every single day to be perfect, whole, complete, and lacking nothing. But here's the thing. I bet you don't think about decisions like that. You make decisions like this, the same way I do. Will I enjoy it? Will it be fun? Do I want this second dessert? We make decisions because it feels good in the moment. But what if part of why we miss the decisions and we end up with regrets is because we have the wrong framework? See, and James starts off in, in verse five, then he tells us how to make decisions. He says in verse five, he says, now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly and it will be given to him. So he says, if any of you lack wisdom, just ask God. He'll give it to you generously and ungrudgingly. Now, maybe this is you today where you sit here and say, I, I don't know what to do in this situation. I, I don't know how to handle it. I don't know if I have that conversation that I've been putting off. I don't know if, if I actually quit my job. I don't know if I put my kid into this school. Like, I, I don't know. Both options are really good. I mean, have you ever had that where you just think, you know what? They could both be right. All 14 options could be correct. And then we just feel overwhelmed. And so James says, if you need wisdom, ask. But have you ever noticed in your own life, when was the last time that you asked God for wisdom? See, we ask for everything but wisdom. We ask for an answer. I mean, this is my first go-to. God, will you give me an answer? <laughs> will you tell me what to do? Will you give me a sign? <laughs> like any sign will do. We'll ask for a way out. Like, God, will you take me out of this? we ask for God to remove the other person? Like, just get, the, get rid of my boss. Could I get a different boss? We'll ask for God to change. We never ask God to change us. We ask God to change them. God, could you change my kid? Could you change my spouse? Could you change my friend? Could you change my situation? Have you ever noticed that one of the last things that we ask of God is the one thing that he has promised and that is wisdom? We don't ask for wisdom. We ask for everything else. And I think, I'll just be honest for myself, the reason that I don't ask for wisdom, and maybe you can relate to this, is because if God gives me the wisdom for something, I'm now on the hook. See, as long as I can just say, God, if you could take me out of this situation, if you could change this person, if you could remove this obstacle, if you could just do something with this, God's on the hook. I can just kind of sit back and be like, well, you know, I'm just gonna wait for God to change him. I don't gotta do anything. God's gonna remove my boss, like he's gonna change him. But if I say, God, will you give me the wisdom in this situation? Now I'm on the hook. And James says, when we ask for wisdom, God will give it generously, overflowing, abundant, that God will give it to us and, and, and it, he won't hold back. Now notice what James doesn't say. James doesn't say, if you need an answer, ask. If you need a rescue, ask. If you need a change in your circumstances, ask. He could have said any number of things, but he says, if you lack wisdom, ask. Now, most of us, when we pray, one, don't ask for wisdom, and two, don't believe that God will give. We don't believe that God will give. See, our view of God, whether we believe God is generous, whether we believe God keeps his promises, our view of God determines how we pray and what we ask for. Our view of God determines how we pray and what we ask for. And some of us don't believe that God is generous, so we don't ask. 
We don't believe that God will give, so we don't ask. And this matters an enormous, this is so big when it comes to decisions and comes to prayer. Emily Freeman in her book, The Next Right Thing says, if we believe that God is mad at us, then we're gonna be afraid of making the wrong move because we're afraid that God's gonna snap at us then. Or if we believe that God is distant, then we just feel alone in our decision-making. If we believe that God is a scolding parent, like maybe you think God is just a scolding parent, he's just sitting there with his arms folded, kind of has the disappointed dad look, you know, that one like. Like if you, if you see God as that, then we just make decisions to avoid consequences. We don't want to disappoint him. Or if we believe that God is wimpy, then we think we can manipulate him and get what we want. Or maybe this is you. This is one that I often struggle with. If we believe that God is indifferent to us, then we may feel he doesn't care what happens one way or another. Feel like he's indifferent. See, but some of us, you might be thinking, but, I, but Josh, like I, I asked for something and I didn't get anything. But again, we often ask from God things that he has not promised us. See, God has not promised an answer to every single question that we have. He has not promised to take us out of every single hard situation we face. God has not promised to change every single person that you run into. But he has promised to give wisdom. See, and what if, what if we started to ask God for the things he promised? What if we asked him for what he promised? What if we started to ask for wisdom? Now, here's the thing. When it comes to decision-making, we make it really complicated. This sounds way too simple, doesn't it? We think there's, that, that's it, we just ask for wisdom. Like this is why I came to church, just to ask for wisdom. This sounds way too simple in our minds. See, but what if, this is what I've come to see from the book of James. God doesn't promise an answer, but the wisdom to find it. He doesn't promise an answer, but he promises the wisdom to find it. But again, here's my frustration. I want an answer. I want an answer. I, I want a sign in the sky. Like I, 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 want, I want to be driving around and for God to just make it so obvious that I know exactly which way to turn. That's what I want. I, I want, you, you know, when I'm supposed to make this decision, I want like blinking, flashing lights. But God says, I will give you wisdom if you ask. So let me ask you, are you facing anything right now that you need wisdom? Not an answer, but wisdom. See, and James tells us if, if we don't ask, here's, here's what happens. He says in verse six, but let him ask in faith without doubting for the doubter is like the surging sea driven and tossed by the wind. And that person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord being double-minded and unstable in all his ways. So we have all felt like this. At one point in your life, you have felt like this, where you have just felt like tossed around. You have felt unstable. You have felt like overwhelmed with, with the options. You have felt overwhelmed by the decisions to make. You, you've wondered, did I make the right decision? You've stayed up at night, you know, wrestling with it and beating yourself up and replaying conversations. Like, did I miss that detail? Are you unsure? Are you doubtful where to turn next? Tossed, reading this blog and that blog and, and, and listening to this expert and that expert and then finding that they say absolutely the opposite things. 
And then this is what we often do. We talk to that one friend that it worked for. Did you ever have that one friend that it worked for? Like they knew exactly what to do. They're like, oh, well, if you just, if you feed your kid these six things, like then they become a straight A student and get a full ride, like do these six things. That's what I did. And you think, well, if I just do those things or if I eat that, I'll get that body. But then lo and behold, it doesn't work for you. Have you ever noticed that? And then we do a whole bunch of things. Here's, and, and here's how we think about decisions that get us stuck, okay? And here's how we make so many different decisions in our life. The first one that gets us stuck is, and you've seen this at work probably, the sunk cost bias. Like, this is how we get stuck in decisions. Well, I've already paid for it. We've already started. You know, like, we can't change now. I mean, we're committed to it. We signed up for the team. You've probably sat in a marketing meeting where they said, well, we've already spent half the money. So even though it's not working, we should just keep on going. And you just get stuck in that. The second way is we list out pros and cons. I don't know, I've done this a bunch of times where you just list out, here are all the pros and here are all the cons. Well, here's how this gets us stuck. And here's how this gets us tossed around because everything on that list is not equal. Okay, so let me give you an example. So I was talking to a friend of mine. He was trying to figure out if he sh which job he should take. And, if, and one of the jobs meant that they were gonna move. So he showed me his pros and cons list. On the pros list of moving, were like 17 different things. There was one thing on the cons list. Do you know what it was? His wife didn't wanna move. Okay? So he looked at me and he goes, what do you think I should do? I don't know if you've ever held like somebody else's marriage in your hands. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, these lists aren't equal. He goes, I know there's like 17 on the pros list. I said, that's not what I meant. I said, that one thing like beats all the other ones. See, the thing is, is when we make a pros and cons list, they're not all equal. But we think, oh, there's, there's this overwhelming number on this list versus this one. Well, that doesn't matter if the one thing is your spouse doesn't want to be there, your kids don't, or whatever it is. You can't afford it. That's a big one. <laughs> like, there's a lot of things that I'd like to do. be like, and the one thing holding me back is I can't afford it. Well, that's a big one. <laughs> but we get stuck then. We get stuck. Another one that we get stuck with, and this happens especially as Christians, okay? This is, Christians do this more than anybody else, I think, sometimes. Confirming evidence, okay? Because th this happens a lot in relationships. Like, we, we just start to look for things to confirm things. Like, we do this, it, this happens a lot in marriage or parenting. We're like, well, see, person always does this. They never do that. All of a sudden, or as Christians, we'll ask for a sign. Maybe you've asked God for a sign. It's a legitimate thing to do. We'll say, God, give me a sign. And then we get, we'll drive by and we're like, I wonder if that's the sign. I mean, that's a sign. That's the, you know, I, I, I asked, and you know, I asked, should I move to California? And there, there's California Avenue. Like, there it is. That's gotta be. And then if you say this to your spouse or friend, you know what they're gonna say? It's probably for somebody else. Bet you that sign's for somebody else. Bet you they're praying for it. And so it's easy then to just get confirming evidence. Should I put our kids in this school? And all of a sudden you meet 15 people that go to that school and you're like, well, that's gotta be it. And what happens then, here's how we get stuck. 
you can talk yourself into anything. And here's how I know, because I can talk myself into a whole host of things and be really convincing and then regret it. And the last, the last thing that gets us stuck, experts call this framing. And this is where we're not sure the question or the problem that we're actually solving. And this is why community and decision-making is so important. And this is why my guess is that some of your biggest regrets, everybody around you told you it was a bad idea. And you said, you just don't understand. You just don't know him like I do. You just don't feel the love for her that I have. You just don't know how great of an opportunity this is. And they said, no, 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 this really sounds like a pyramid scheme. And you're like, it's not a pyramid scheme. Like I promise you, it's a, do you wanna buy in? This is why framing this question, because here's what happens, here's how we get stuck in decision-making. We get so invested emotionally in a decision that, that we stop seeing things. And, and the people around us can say, is that, is that the right decision? Is that really what, are you solving this? Is that, and it presses us back. And so in decision-making, one of the most important things is to ask, what is the decision that we're actually making? See, in these different things. These toss us all over the place. We get stuck because we're like, well, we've already invested in this. We can't stop. You know, these pros and cons. Well, look at all this confirming evidence. And we just get back and forth. And, and what it, James says is when we don't ask for wisdom, when we don't ask for what God promises us, we actually lead to instability. And this is probably where a lot of us feel right now. This is where a lot of us feel in decision-making is we feel unstable in, in the decisions we're making. We feel unstable in life because we didn't ask for what God promised. And so we bounce back and forth. And as we're gonna see next week, here's where that leads. This is really important. When we feel unstable in life, when we feel unstable in our decisions, James tells us it opens us up to the greater possibility of falling into temptation and wrecking our lives. See, all of these things are connected to James. Like, let me give you an example. I remember when we were praying through leaving Arizona, a few years ago. And we were trying to figure out, you know, which, which city to move to, which state to move to. We were, you know, praying through different locations. We were praying through different opportunities, trying to discern, you know, is now the right time to move? Do our kids want to move? Where do our kids want to be? How much does that matter? Where do I want to be? How much does that matter? All these different things. Is now the time to leave our friends? Is now the time to leave the life we knew? And I remember talking to a, a mentor and we had all these different opportunities and there was just no clarity about it. And I was telling this mentor, I said, you know, I, the way I'm viewing this, like we're gonna move and, and this is where we're gonna retire from and, and this is gonna be the last place that we, that we live. And, and he looked at me and he goes, Josh, stop putting so much pressure like on this decision. He's like, stop putting so much pressure on God's will. He said, listen, he said, you, wherever you move to, he said, you may move and, and you may die there. He said, you may move to a church and, and spend the next 25 years serving that church and retire there. He said, but you also have no idea where your kids are gonna live. You have no idea what's gonna happen it, 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 later in your life. You don't know what's gonna happen to your parents or Katie's parents. You have no idea. And he said, so how about you answer this question? What is the next right thing? 
He said, Dallas Willard says, when you're not sure what to do, just do the next right thing. Now, here's the thing. You might go, well, what is the next right thing? Like, that sounds great, but what is the next right thing? And this is where we get stuck. Because the next right thing is simply putting one foot in front of the other instead of being paralyzed. Now, here's our problem with this idea of the next right thing is we want to know what happens after the next right thing. We want to know what happens after I make this decision. How does this play out later? We want God to show us the whole story and give us the whole map before we move, before we do anything. Before we have that conversation, we want to know, okay, how is this going to play out? How is this going to affect this? We want to know what happens after the next right thing. The problem is, God doesn't work like that. And here's the thing. Here's my hunch about you, because it's, it's true about me. If God told you what happened after the next right thing, you probably wouldn't do it. You'd probably just be like, you know what? Honestly, I, I don't need that. <laughs> if God showed you all the steps, okay? But if God showed you all the steps after that decision to get married or that decision the last big decision you make, any last big decision, if God showed you all the things that were going to happen after that, there's a good chance you would have stayed in bed. Why? Because what did James say last week? Over time, God builds our endurance. Over time, God builds our endurance for life, for decisions. See, the things that are going to happen five steps after the next right thing, you will be more prepared for than you are now. So the question is, here's the question that James has. The decision you're facing, will you ask God for wisdom? Now, here's the really hard thing about this whole verse, okay? James doesn't tell us when we ask God for wisdom, when we get it. Did you notice that? He doesn't say, ask God for wisdom, and you will immediately... He just bolted over with it. He doesn't say, if you ask for wisdom, you'll get it in the first 72 hours or a money back guarantee. He says, ask for wisdom and God will give it generously and ungrudgingly. But when? <laughs> That's what I want to know. How long do I have to wait? He doesn't tell us. But he tells us to ask. He tells us to ask. So the first thing is ask for wisdom. The second thing is we wait. And you might wonder, well, what do I do while I'm waiting? And this is where we get into those four things. This is where we get into framing and confirming evidence and pros and cons and all these things. I remember years ago, uh, reading this book, I can't remember which book it was, but it was back in, in college and Katie and I were trying to figure out, you know, where we moved to as soon as we got married and all these different things. And, and the author said, never, never make a pros and cons list. So we've never actually really made a pros and cons list. And he said, instead, ask this one simple question. Will this get me to where I believe God wants me? Will this opportunity, will this decision get me, get us to where we believe God wants us? See, too many of us get hung up on, on looking for God's perfect will for our life. We, we treat God's will like, like it's a mythical treasure map that's like hidden in the fog that we're out there trying to find. But, it, but it's not. 
God's not keeping it from us. He's not holding back. He's giving it to us one step at a time as we're ready to receive the things that he has for us, as we build that endurance. See, and here's the thing too, is as we wait, here's what this is doing. It goes back to James 1.4. The goal is to be perfect, complete, mature, and lacking nothing. Okay? To be perfect, complete, mature, and lacking nothing. So here's how to apply that. Will the decision that you're facing, the opportunity that you're facing, will it help you to become mature, complete, and lacking nothing? Will it? See, I wonder, I think some of us are afraid to make godly decisions because we're afraid that we're gonna be miserable if we do or we're gonna miss out. Like some of us have this idea that if we do what God tells us to do, that we're gonna, we're gonna hate it. I've heard so many people like say like, I'm just praying for God's will for my life. Like I'll do anything for you, God, but like I'm not gonna move there. Like I'll do anything, but I don't wanna be poor. Like God, if you could just, like I'll serve you however you want, like as, as long as, I really like my marriage. Like I remember when I worked with students and, and they would always say like, oh, I'm just praying for God's will, but like he needs to have abs. <laughs> or I'm praying for God's will, you know, God, show me what you want me to do, but like, I, I don't want to move to Africa. Or show me what you want to do, like, I, but I don't want to work for a nonprofit. See, some of us think that if we do what God calls us to do, if we follow after God's will, that we're just going to hate it. Like somehow like God, just has, he's just, just wants us to be miserable. But as we're gonna see in a couple of weeks, James tells us in verse 17, that our father in heaven gives good gifts to his kids. So when we pray for wisdom, when we wait, God has a good gift for us. Now, here's the thing about gifts. You've given somebody a good gift and at first they weren't excited about it. You probably gave somebody a good gift this Christmas that they weren't that excited about. Maybe you received a gift from somebody this Christmas and you weren't that excited about it. Does that make it not a good gift? No. See, when James tells us this, it gets to our view of God. And if we believe that God will give us wisdom, and that God's wisdom will ultimately get us to where God wants us. And as we saw last week, that road to where God wants us is not always paved easily. It's not always the road that we'd probably choose to travel, but it is the road to get us to the place where we are perfect, complete, mature, and lacking nothing. So here's really simple. As we close, what is the one thing that you need wisdom in right now? Are you asking for it? Are you waiting on God for it? Or are you asking for a whole host of other things that God hasn't promised? See, God has promised us peace. God has promised us his presence and that he will never leave us or forsake us or walk away from us. And God has promised us to give us wisdom. Will you ask? 
So here's how I want to close. We're going to take communion in a second here. And as we close, I just want to pray over us because I know in a room like this, there's a lot of really big decisions that a lot of us are facing. We're facing decisions about health. We're facing decisions about relationships, about finances, about careers, about futures. Every one of us walked in here today with a whole host of decisions that we're trying to figure out, big and small. And some of us need to be reminded that God hears us when we ask and that God is good when he answers. Even if it takes longer for him to answer and his gift isn't what we expected. So I wanna ask you, just take a moment right where you're at. And whatever it is that you're facing right now, whatever it is that you're kind of up against, you're struggling with, the thing that's kept you up at night, just bring it before God. To just say, God, this is, this is the thing I need wisdom in. I don't need an answer. I don't need you to take me out of it, even though you want that. I need wisdom. Let's just take a moment. Let's, and maybe you need to confess that you don't ask for that. I've had to confess at different times where I, I'd rather an answer than wisdom, and that's okay. Let's just take a moment. God, we need wisdom in this. God, in the quietness of this moment, I know that many of us are facing a host of things that keep us up at night. Kids, aging parents, finances, career, loneliness, anxiety, heartache, physical pain. We stress, we worry, we replay things in our mind. God, we need to be reminded anew that you give wisdom generously and ungrudgingly. And that wisdom shows up in different ways, that wisdom plays out differently, and it plays out in different timetables than we have. But God, some of us need to confess today that we don't believe that you give good gifts generously and ungrudgingly. And so we confess to you that sometimes we have a view of you that is withholding us, that maybe wants bad things for us. We confess that sometimes we don't believe you have good gifts for us. So remind us, Spirit, that you bring good gifts from our Father. That our Father in heaven cares deeply about the decisions that we make, cares deeply about the details and intricacies of our lives. That our Father in heaven cares deeply when we lay in bed at night and can't sleep. And wants to give wisdom. So we ask now, Father, that you would give us wisdom for the things we're facing the things we don't know what to do and help us to trust that you give it generously 
and ungrudgingly not holding back any of it. In your name, amen.